All right, welcome back to the show, guys. Uh, today's guest is Ed Pugh, one of the kings in Queen City. Uh, uh, he's a uh, real estate investor, entrepreneur, and mentor. Uh, so he's basically the guy I would always go to uh, if I do have questions about real estate uh, or anything like r related, even in my life in general, because he does have good things, like just good nuggets that he gives. Golden nuggets is what I like to call them. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna start off by letting him introduce himself, and then I got a few topics that we're gonna go over. Awesome. Well, I don't know if I'm qualified for, for the various topics you're going to come up with, John, but um, I appreciate you having me on the podcast, so thanks for that. Uh, Most for, definitely. For those, as by way of introduction, uh, Jonathan mentioned I'm a real estate investor, and within that realm, we've done a variety of different deals. Uh, what what are broadly termed creative finance deals are what we're really um, sets us apart and what we're a little unique about, and in fact, I've taught locally about those strategies uh, I'm also a licensed real estate agent, so I've got to be a little careful about what I talk about. And um, in addition to that, we operate some service businesses, and we also mentor people um, within a group called The Kingdom Real Estate. And so those are kind of the full variety of things that we have our hands in, and we're always looking for new opportunities. Cool, cool. All right, so you mentioned the your real estate license. So that's one topic that I really do want to talk about and I want to sure. make sure I get into this podcast. So I've ran into a lot of friends of mine and uh, when I speak to them, they're really interested in real estate. Like they, they really like it. Um, and I always mentioned to them, I was like, well, you know, you don't need to have your license to invest like, because they always talk about it passionately as far as the money goes right. and the, the wealth that comes from it. Right. But when they, when they, when they tell me about their journey to get their license, they're just kind of like, oh, is this, this grind? And like, and yeah. I don't, and I see the lack of passion. Yeah. So I'm like, well, are you sure you're approaching this the right way? Yeah. So what can you kind of say to that individual that does want the wealth and wants to invest in their life? And for their family, but is not really interested in that whole like you know day by day. You got to go to class, get, yeah. get everything. You know, just doesn't really want to go through that. Yeah. So one of the things. Well, first I would say if somebody wants to become an agent, more power to them. Like yeah, that. If that's what they want to do. Like I would never be someone to like say you shouldn't do this or you should do that because that's your dream and you should just do whatever you're passionate about. But what I have found is um, not a lot of people understand the dynamic of what a license actually qualifies you to do. And so the first thing to set the table would be like a license allows you to act on behalf of other people in their real estate transactions. Like that's what a, a real estate license qualifies you for. And a lot of folks, when they're first getting started as a real estate investor, they gravitate towards getting a license because that's really the only tool that is like readily advertised and is available. And in a lot of cases, they don't know that, you can do just as well and in some cases better without a license as far as becoming an investor than with one. So what I advocate a lot of times is um, if somebody's interested in becoming truly a real estate investor, like if that's their goal, that they should learn the tools of being a real estate investor first and have a real estate investor on their team, like someone who already has the license. And then if later they wanna go back and get the license because they become passionate about also helping others, then go and do that. But um, to become a, a startup investor, I really don't advocate that people go out and get a real estate license off the bat, off the jump, right? I think kids say, that's what the kids say yeah. these days, off the jump. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the kids, yeah, sure, 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 sure. Um, so like, um, what what got you into real estate? Like what, what tell me about Ed. Like yeah, what, what, so. Yeah, where'd that come from? So when I was a kid, um, you, you know, but your listeners may not, that I have a twin brother. 
And he and I'd be like walking down the street, like walking home from school or whatever. And we'd see one of those for sale signs in the yard of someone's house, like the big wooden sign with the little hanging thing. And um, we'd run up and we'd grab one of the little flyers and we'd pull out a flyer and we'd play this game. We'd be like, hey, how much do you think this house is? And we'd always like guess at it. And we always had like this, this like really um, kind of interest in it. And then our neighbor was also a real estate agent and we would go like help her put flyers on people's doors on the weekend and stuff like that. So like we had people in our circles and in our life who were kind of like in that space. Um, So I always had like this kind of interest in it. And then I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he talks about like how that, you know, it's a tool that the rich use to, to move forward and, I don't even think when I read that, I really understood like all of the different levers that come with real estate. I was just like, if Robert Kiyosaki's doing it, like I should probably be doing it. Like, I don't even think I understood why. I was just like, Robert Kiyosaki tells me to do it. He wrote a book. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I want to be a rich dad, not a poor dad. So I should probably do what he says. Um, But then as I've begun to educate myself more fully, I've learned a lot more about how real estate as an asset class is really unique in its ability to be leveraged. Let me give you a for instance. Okay. If you go into the bank, like let's agree that we want to buy Apple stock like tomorrow, right? Like if we buy tomorrow, then four years from now, we're going to be really glad we bought Apple stock. And in fact, we're so excited about Apple stock that we want to get as much Apple stock as we possibly can. So you and I, we scrape together some of our money and you know, we have enough like Apple stock's really expensive. So we have enough for like, five or six shares yeah and we're like man you know i'm just not going to get enough like movement on my five or six shares to make this this important so we go to the bank and we say to the banker hey we got this really great business plan what we're gonna do is we're gonna buy two hundred thousand dollars worth of apple stock and then four years from now we're gonna pay you back is that okay or 15 years from now or even 30 years from now would that be all right the banker would laugh at us, yes, right? Like yes. there's no context of where they're going to give us money to go and buy Apple stock or cryptocurrency or gold or really any other commodity art. You know, there's just no other commodity group where we can go into the bank and say, hey, I'd like to take out money to go and control this $200,000, $300,000 asset in the way that you can do with real estate. And um, so as I've become to learn more about why this asset class is so unique, it's become a very uh, central part of my focus in life. And really it's, it's what I spend almost all of my time doing is teaching, talking and doing real estate transactions. Gotcha. Okay. So, all right. So you mentioned uh, through your education, like educating yourself about sure. it. like what, what tools, where did you start? Like what, what you said, you mentioned Robert Kiyosaki, which sure. is it? I trust me. I can even say it. that's a great book. I, I think everyone's myself. read it, right? Yeah, I think everybody, like, everybody that's wanted to be any kind of investor or do anything for their life has probably read that book. And if you haven't, you need to read that book. For sure. Um, so where would you say like start with that like as far as like real estate? Well, goes? like I mean I've read I don't know I've read six I don't know 60, 70 books on real estate specifically mm-hmm. uh, besides other like entrepreneur type books you know and um, there's a lot of really good ones out there that I've read uh, but my friend actually recently wrote a book that I think is fantastic for the startup investor. Uh, and it's actually called, if you can't wholesale after this, I got nothing for you. That's the okay. title. Yes. And, um, my friend Todd Fleming wrote that you can find it on Amazon. It's like 20 bucks. So for me, if, if you're a guy out there or a gal out there, who's like just trying to get started, that's one I, I advocate pretty strongly for. Another is uh cash flow diaries. Jay Massey wrote that, um, Than Merrill has a variety of books out there. Folks would know him from his hit TV show. 
there's a series of books out there released by uh, Bigger Pockets. Uh, any of those books are pretty good. Uh, Joe Fairless has written uh, two books that are that are really pretty good. Um, they're called the the Best of series, or uh, I can't remember what they're called. Um, yeah, that's fine. Don't worry. Anyways, worry. but yeah, anything by Joe Fairless is is good stuff too. Um, really, at the end of the day, I mean, just start reading somewhere. Yeah, you know, just like start in. start to educate yourself and get to a level of comfort, even with just like the keywords. Okay, you know, like just. What is what does it mean when somebody says they've got an offer to purchase like that? What does that mean? What does it mean when they're under contract? What does it mean that funds are placed in escrow? Like if those are terms that someone's not familiar with, the very best thing they can do first is just become familiar with those terms and then begin to learn how to to use them in their in their business and to grow wealth. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So all right, one of the things that I wanted to kind of, or another thing that I wanted to t- touch on is like going, um, I guess I, I can kind of speak for this, but like being an investor and I noticed something that you said earlier where it said like you went to the bank, if you, you did that, for instance, if you go to the bank to try to buy stock, um, they won't give you any kind of money to buy any kind of stock, but they will give you money to buy a property. Yeah. So just the logic in that you should already kind of like, that should be a light bulb to be like, okay, maybe I should put my investment for my life in something that even the banks, you know, see value, yeah, right. value in more right. so than stock. And that's something that I've learned recently myself because I myself have been like, have been kind of in and out of the stock market and have learned that through difficult challenges and like hard times where I'm like, okay, yeah, let me go back to the drawing board. So speaking in that, like mentally, like what, what are you doing like to kind of keep yourself going? And cause I mean, I, I kind of want to touch on the fact that you just recently left the corporate world I did. and like yeah. what, how have you like strengthened yourself mentally? Cause that's a, I think that's a big yeah. component as far as like investing, um, just, you know, um, even moving forward in your life and just like kind of leaving a legacy. The, the yeah. mental game is actually where it's at in my opinion. In fact, that's where it all starts. Yes. So like if you're – I could teach you every single like tactical technique, you know, like how do you do a lease option strategy? Like te- technically how do you do it? I can teach anyone the fundamentals of that. But if their mindset isn't right, it's irrelevant what I teach them. So I mentioned that we mentor with a group called The Kingdom Real Estate. And what we have found – so over the last – like two plus, maybe we're at three years now that we've been doing that. We've mentored hundreds, maybe maybe even thousands of people at this point have come through our group. And what we found is those who stay and are successful know that they've got to work on their mindset. And those who get frustrated and, and leave are those who don't acknowledge the mindset piece of what they have to do. So mindset is is basically like everything that it's about. If you believe that you can do something, you're right. And if you believe that you can't do something, you're also right. Yeah. And so it's just this, like we have this joke in the kingdom where it's like someone will say, well, you know, that can't be done. And our response is, well, not with that mindset. You know, it's okay. kind of our sarcastic okay, yeah. way to say like, no, you need to strengthen your mindset. And you need to work on having the mental fortitude to work through any challenge that's going to come. Because for sure, you know, uh, you know, who was it? I think it's Mike Tyson everyone has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. Yeah. You know, like it, you know, everybody's got this fantastic idea of how everything's going to work out and then things don't work out that way. And it's those who can adjust and have the mental fortitude to stay in the ring and keep swinging that, um, that really, 
win and uh, will will be successful in the long term. And so, you know, specific things that I do for mindset is, you know, there's thousands of YouTube videos out there that are called motivation uh, videos, and they have a whole, you know, it, it's it's kind of hokey. It's got some, you know guy running in the background or some sunset or some boxer, yeah, some yeah. dude working no, out, you. some music playing in the background of that. And then it's got these quotes from movies like, you know, Rocky is, is like yelling at his Rocky's son. coach is yeah. yelling at him or Rocky's yelling, yelling at his son or like it's got clips of uh, Les Brown and, and uh, Dr. Eric, uh, Dr. Eric, the Thomas. hip hop preacher. Yeah. Oh, yeah Eric Thomas. Thomas. Oh, yeah. I love him. Yeah. He's good. Uh, you know, so there's like a whole series of people who are out there um, who, who share like this, this energy TD, uh, TD Jakes is another one oh, yeah. that, that stands out to me. But you know, you've got to you've got to go in a world where there's always someone who's trying to give a message to you, right? Whether it's Pepsi Cola, you know, they're giving you a it's refreshing, right? Go yeah. get go get a soda because that's a refreshing moment. To um, you know, Marriott hotels and come have this experience at our hotels, and you're swimming in clear water. Everyone's trying to message something, yeah, and um, even to you know, different media sources who are trying to get your attention often in negative ways. Uh, so you've got to, you've got to actively, I don't want to like the word I use it for myself is like, you've got to brainwash yourself. You've got to overcome all of those messages to make sure that the positive energy and focus stays in your life and that you're not allowing negative emotions and energy and those types of things to have a long residence within your mind and, and within your spirit. Um, so some people, you know, for example, they'll go to church on a Sunday to try and um, bring a, a more positive energy and a, a better focus in their life. And I would suggest that it probably needs to be done, uh, that that type of effort needs to be done more often than that. Yeah. Um, so there's, I don't know if it's every day for me, but um, most days in the week, I'll, I'll start the day by listening to um, one or two of those tracks and get, get a little focused. And then start just prioritizing for the day. Prioritizing to the day. So, so I don't know if I got your your no, answer okay. your question, no, yeah, you but like I mean, uh, one it, of the it, tactical things I do is yeah. like like it's like motivational yeah. videos. Yeah. You know, like obviously you talk you mentioned a couple of those people. They actually have books too. So I'm, for I'm sure. sure you've like like read books, yeah. listen to books. So yeah. it's always sharpening your uh, what is it your sword? Like mm-hmm. it's always sharpening that sword mm-hmm. and keeping keeping yourself strong mentally. Um, okay, so. Going back, we're, I'm going to try to stay on the topic of real estate so because I want, definitely want to get some nuggets sure. from you. So sure. like, all right, so let's say I have, I don't know, like $5,000. Yeah. And uh, what, you got one of your networking events. By the way, guys, like he does network locally in Charlotte. Um, the name of the group is... I'll let yeah, you so our meetup, uh, so our brand that we market under, folks can find us on like the social media channels. So Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, we've got our podcast. All of those are under... Under the name the Kings in Queen City, the Kings in Queen City, or just Kings in Queen City, um, but our meetup is specifically called the Exchange Real Estate Networking Meetup. You can find it on our Kings in Queen City uh, Facebook page, and the purpose of that meetup is we got a little tired of networking events where you come and you're sold something. Yeah, like yeah. hey, you know, come to our three day workshop or sit through this whole presentation. You know, that whole thing. And what we have found is we just wanted to create a space where people could just shake hands with each other, give each other hugs, encouragement, 
you know, if you want to share a beer with each other, do that and just actively network with each other. Talk to folks who are doing yes. deals. And one of the fun things that we get to do as the, you know, the host of that event is I'm talking to people at the event and they'll say, oh, I need and whatever, you know, like I need an appraiser. Oh, you know what? You got to talk to my friend, Mike. Mike knows a bunch of folks. He, he definitely just ran into this a couple yeah. weeks ago. He's got someone good. And so we're playing like kind of matchmaker of, of those things, which is really fun. So yeah, anyone in the, the Charlotte market, uh, it's the Exchange Real Estate Networking Meetup. The next one is February 28th. It's a Thursday uh, at, at a place called Broken Spoke from 7 to 9. So anyone cool. local to our market's welcome to come. It's free. Nice. All right. So yeah, go, getting back to it. So let's say I have... Five thousand yeah. dollars, and I'm and I'm I'm mainly going for the little guy because mm-hmm. obviously you know um, anybody that's got more than that should already be networking and doing their thing. Um, so five thousand dollars in the bank. I wanna. I'm interested in this real estate deal. Heard a lot about it. There's a lot of hype on it right now. Sure, but I have a little bit of fear because like we've been like in this economic bubble going not nine years now, like it, where we're like running strong, and it's like, but I don't know if I should wait. Or should I jump in now? What would you say to that individual? Yeah. Um, so two things. I, I, it's not two things. There's like seven things. Okay, but, yeah, yeah. But That's trying true. to distill it down. Um, first, that person definitely needs to keep their day job in place. Okay. Um, and one reason is that creates stability for their life and, and things. Um, you know, there's nothing worse than trying to work through a real estate transaction uh, where you know, TV would have you understand that it's like get rich quick and it's really not get rich quick. It's like build wealth slowly is, is really what real estate is. Yeah. Um, and some transactions can take, you know, six, eight months to come before you even get uh, any type of a check. And I would hate to see somebody quote unquote jump in both feet first and maybe put their family at risk in a way that they didn't need to. Okay. And as a result of that, lose out on their their dream to eventually be a, a really successful real estate investor. So the very first thing is they've got to keep their foundation in place. So, uh, I, you know, if you hate your day job, you know, yeah, put, put the time in, work through it and start to develop uh, a foundation within the real estate world where that business can eventually, uh, sup- supplement that income. But I wouldn't suggest you jump right into it first. Um, but if, so if you're that person, you have it, you have a job, you know, you're getting food on the table, but you're just not growing anywhere. Um, and you have $5,000 in the bank, that person has more time than probably money resources that they can really devote to their business. And um, I would suggest that they leverage the time piece of what they probably have going on. And they can do things like drive through neighborhoods and look for houses that might be abandoned and try and locate the people who may own that house. And what you will find is that often the people who own those houses have problems that you can help solve. And if you can help solve them, for example, uh, you know, they've got this vacant house that they're paying taxes on and the grass is long and they, they've got to keep the grass cut over there and somebody keeps breaking in the back window. Well, if you can take that piece of property and maybe even put a renter in place of it and start paying the taxes and you know, no longer have the, the seller have that as a burden – uh, there's potentially ways for you to both make money and potentially uh, own a property for very little money down. And so I, I would suggest um, not to put as much money into like systems or voicemail systems or customer uh, databases and all this different stuff that's out there. You know, Facebook gives 
a, a lot of really great advice and then a lot of really bad advice. Oh, yeah. And, and one of the pieces of bad advice is that people should go out and get all these complicated systems and, all, you know, LLCs set up and all that. And you just don't need to do that when you're just a startup investor. When you're, when you're just getting started, you know, do a couple of deals just in your own personal name and um, it'll start to develop a foundation of where you can grow from. You know, then get the systems and the LLCs and, and all that stuff. Okay, cool. So, like, basically, like, I, I guess if I put myself in those shoes, like, I just come to one of your networking events, use my time, mm-hmm. like, and meet, start meeting people there. And then, also, like you said, going through neighborhoods and finding, finding opportunity, basically. Right. So, like, one of the things I've learned in my journey is, like, problem solving pays off. I mean, whether it's, like, whether it be, like, money, whether it be, like, you know, just personal development, like, when you learn to solve people's problems, it just – you start to kind of grow in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I no, and that's everything our business is about is the, the house, like the physical house itself is just a piece of the puzzle Okay. of like how you're going to help solve the problem of the people who you're helping. It's just part of the currency of how you get paid for solving their problem. And so, you know, I say a lot of times – in fact, the guy who only has like $5,000 normally can come up with a better solution than the guy who has like $200,000 sitting in the bank because the guy who has $200,000 sitting in the bank, the only solution he sees to the problem is money. Yeah. Where somebody who doesn't have that resource available to them has to be more creative. And as a result, often can come up with a much better solution for the seller than what would have originally been a solution. Okay. And and by the way, Jonathan, I would say the the guy who has $200,000 in cash, if cash is the only way to solve the problem and the seller's problem needs like some other type of thing done, like good legal representation or you know, somebody who's just understanding or someone who can work through the process, in a lot of ways the guy who just has money sitting in the bank doesn't know how to solve those problems. Okay. So I, I agree with you. One of the primary tools and one of the primary skills in our business is the ability to be a problem solver. Problem solver, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I've learned that through my journey and like seeing people like even doing small like small stuff, like where I've noticed like coming in and helping somebody like with just even something at their house. I like I, it kind of just put one and two together. Like, hey, look, I helped this lady with her yard, or I helped her with her dog, and she paid me it, whether it be twenty five bucks, thirty bucks. Right. There was still an exchange there. It was right. like. Okay, wait a minute. This could this this makes sense. Like this is how, in my opinion, the wealthy like continue to get wealthy. I like, continue to get money coming in. They for look sure. for uh, problems. Where I was wanting to kind of lead into the whole like thing about this this the the possible possibility of a recession coming in. Yeah. Like, what are your thoughts on that? And how do you prep yourself uh, with with cash? Or how do you prep yourself? Like, if you're already in it and you don't have cash, and you're like yeah. you're waiting on deals to to come through. Like what, what do you, what do you say to that? Yeah. So the first thing I would say is I don't think that there's a recession in 2019. And I think it's pretty unlikely that we have a recession anytime before the summer of 2020. Okay. Um, there's political reasons why I think that, um, and it has a little bit to do with some of the tax policy of the current administration and where that all goes. So barring some like huge geopolitical thing, I just don't see a lot of things that are going to dampen consumer spending you know in 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 a large area there may be regional exceptions to that like you know if you're in a like an oil boom town up in North Dakota or something and all of a sudden you know those wells run dry well okay yeah. obviously right but just just 
nationally speaking, I don't think a lot of people are going to struggle with this issue in 2019 and probably even 2020. Uh, beyond that, I think elections have consequences and markets react to elections in certain ways. So I think we'll have to see what things are kind of looking like as we go through the t- summer of 2020. Just for context, while, while folks are listening to this, it's you know early 2019 now. It's, it's, it's yeah. early February, and that's kind of my view on it right now. Um, but I would say it doesn't – having said that, I, I would add two other things, which is first – a recession would be one of the very best things that could happen in my business. Yes. Exactly. So for me personally, it would be the most fantastic thing that could happen. So while I say that I don't think it's likely that a recession is coming or will happen, it would be the most fantastic opportunity for me. And the reason is in a recessionary environment, again, we just talked about how our very best deals are found when we're solving problems for people and in a recessionary environment, there's a lot more problems to solve. Yes. Right? So the skill sets that we've developed with with our teams and with, with, with other people in our business is we know how to solve a lot of problems that others don't know how to solve. I was sitting, sitting with a seller of a very nice home, one of the nicest homes I've been in in a long time uh, recently, and I was talking with him about options for his home, and I presented him with four or five different options, the least of which was I could list his house if he was interested in that as I'm a licensed real estate agent. And so we walked through a variety of other solutions and he was shocked at how many different solutions he had uh, that allowed him, you know, some of them got him money more quickly. Some he had to wait a longer period of time. One didn't give him as much money. Some gave him more money. So there were just a lot of different options we're able to put on the table with people to say, hey, we can solve your problem in a variety of ways. What's most important to you? And and I don't go into these types of conversations with some type of uh, predisposed assumption about what is best for them. I have a conversation with people and ask them a whole variety of questions to begin to understand what their needs are. And then we just set about finding ways uh, to meet their needs with allowing the house to be part of that transaction. Uh, so, that, so that's the, the first thing I would say about the recessionary issue is uh, first, I don't think it's coming. Okay. I, people differ with me. I have a good friend here in my market. He and I recently sat on a panel and we both disagree about this point and that's okay. Second, if a recession did come, it'd be the very best thing for my business. But the last point is the way that we're buying isn't dependent in any real way on quote unquote market value of a house. And so what I mean by that is I could buy a house today that is has a market value of $200,000 and I can pay $200,000 for that house, or I can pay $160,000 for that house, or I can pay $240,000 for that house. And in most cases, all three of those transactions can still be good deals for me. And the reason for that is, again, back to the creativity piece of this. If the only lever that you're pulling is the price that you pay someone for a property, then you're probably not able to structure a deal that's very uh, interesting for them. But if you understand that price is only one of the levers and there's things like how long, like say we agree to pay somebody $200,000, yeah. well, there's other levers. How much, how long am I going to take to give them that $200,000? How much in payments am I going to give them on that $200,000 along the way? How much do they get in interest for the amount of that money that they keep over a period of time? Um do they actually give me full interest in the property or are they holding back their interest in the property? Am I just a tenant of theirs? So there's a whole variety of ways to structure deals 
where price is really only one lever. And so when people get concerned about doing deals in a quote unquote in inflationary or recessionary environment, they're really concerned just about price. price. Okay. Just it's only price. And so what we've done is price is one of the last things we worry about. I'm most interested that a deal is going to cash flow. And so just an example, take that $200,000 property. I'm being a little facetious here when I say this next statement, but I could probably pay a million dollars for that same property as long as they take payments, you know, $300 a month until paid in full. Yeah. Now, there's no one out there who has a million dollar property that's going to take a $300 payment a month or at least I'm <laughs> I'm making that assumption yeah. and I'm probably limiting that's a limiting belief there yeah. because there probably are folks, but um my my point is is I think if you get beyond just the discussion of price, then the issue of whether it's a recessionary environment isn't that important. Okay. And you can continue to help people with their needs. And again, you know, if I'm wrong, then I have more more people to help, and, yeah. and I'm completely okay with that. No, and I agree. I mean, when you when you talk about it like that, because everybody has a mindset of like the, what, like you said, price, like what they're gonna pay for something, what the value in something is. But but nobody ever like kind of looks around that to see the other options you have. Even I mean, with anything else in your life in general too, like there's other things in your life that you can apply that to besides sure. just real estate. So like when you speak to that, I think about it. So. Can said, I give you a for instance? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Let go me ahead. give you a for instance. And this one, I like to use this when I'm teaching people. So if there's four of us in a room and we have, we, we order a pizza, right? Yeah. How much of a pizza is your, like your fair share of that pizza? Realistically, like four slices. <laughs> like like half, half the pizza. <laughs> yeah. but, but if we were to divide the pizza up evenly, we'd each have a quarter of the pizza, right? There's four yeah. of us. Yeah. But is that the best thing for that person? Like... Say one of those four now, like you, you have children, right? Yeah. So say one of those is your son. Yeah. Is he going to eat his fair share or is it appropriate for him to eat his fair share? No, it might be more appropriate for him just to have like a slice of pizza and some apples. Yeah. So like the better thing, the better way we could serve him is actually by not giving him his fair share of the pizza. Yeah. Right. Or what if one of them is my grandmother and she has some health reason why it's not appropriate to give her that much food? Or what if one of them is, you know, your cousin who's training for a marathon and they need to eat more calories? So, see, there's reasons why people yeah. should have different what are considered, quote unquote, more or less than their fair share out of a deal, right? Yeah. Because they have different needs. And I think that's really a good example of thinking about, wait – just cutting it down the middle of saying, here's your fourth of a pizza and here's your fourth of a pizza doesn't take into account what the needs of that person are effectively. So that's a good example. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so like – and yeah, I get that completely because that, that kind of also touches on like don't be don't be so greedy. Like you don't all the time all the time need the whole deal. You know what I mean? Like, but, I, but I will eat half a pizza. Yes, I will. But I will eat half yeah, a pizza. I will. I'm not going to be ashamed and say, no, I want four slices. Like, let me get the four. Like, you get what you asked for, That's right. right. That's um, right. But – so I wanted to touch on the you, – you mentioned cash flow. So this has been a big thing for me recently uh, because I've been humbled tremendously in my journey and just realizing that the importance of cash flow. Like whether it be a dollar, whether it be $5, whether it be $100, 1000 100000 just coming in. Like you just want it coming in. Right. Like into the pocket, your bank account, whatever yeah. whatever you want to um, call it. What, is, what are your thoughts on on cash flow. Like, well, I mean the thing you watch you watch HDTV and like all the shows are super sexy and you know this person sells a house and they get $100,000 this month, right? Yeah. The challenge with that is yeah, he got $100,000 a month and hey, someone wants to give me $100,000 this month like 
I'll give you the mailing. Just just yeah. let Jonathan know. We'll give you the mailing address. <laughs> yes. No problem. Yeah. But you've got to go create that money time and time again. Yeah. And so what we're learning about cash flow is, again, whether it's $5, whether it's $20, whether it's $70, if that money is in a, a mode where you're receiving it every month, you don't have to recreate that money every month. Yes. So the first real estate deal you do, let's say it generates... $75 a month. That $75 is money you never have to create again. Like if you're out there, just an example, if there's someone out there who's working like a job and they're making $30 an hour, that's two hours of a month right there. Just two hours of a month that they don't have to work again. Yeah. Right? Now, they've got to stack a lot more up oh, yeah, when they can stop working, but it starts by that. Now, then they get $75 and then they stack those up for a couple months and then they grow that into $250. And so it's just about, you know, so many people get focused on the, well, yeah, it's only $15 or it's only $70 or it's only $120. Yeah, but but do that four times in a, in a year where you're increasing your your income, say by, for easy math, say by $150, right? Mm-hmm. Then by the end of that year, you're getting $600 more every month. Yeah. And then... The next year comes yeah. and you do that again. Then you're getting $1,200 more a month, right? And then do it for two more years. That's $2,400 more a month. That would replace a lot of need for a lot of people. Yes. Right? Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of people out there who are – who $2,000 a month would be life-changing. You know, it would stop arguments about whether they could take their kids to go get pizza on a Friday night when they want to take their kid. You know, yes. like – are they going to become, you know, Warren Buffett over $2,000 a month? Well, maybe not. You know, certainly it's a start, but does it remove the the stress of like, hey, we're running late and we had to stop by and get pizza and now I don't know that I'm going to be able to make the electric bill. Yeah. Like, you know, $90 a month is a big deal for that person, yes. right? Yeah. Um, and so my first ad, ad, like the first thing I try and advocate there is just get to a point where something's coming in. Yes. Where, you know, and there's, there's systems that'll do it, whether you're, you know, out there doing, um, some type of, uh, network marketing or your, you have some type of a, a skill, you're a painter or you can make crafts, you know, uh, through Etsy or these other craft sites. Pinterest has a great bunch of ideas. So many ways. Like, People are living in the very best age to create wealth of, of any time in our past. Yeah. And it, it's so ironic to me as I listen to some media sources talk about how, you know, there's the 1% in this world and how, how restrictive it is. And I'm going, what are you talking about? Yeah, I'm, I'm lost in that conversation because to me, I see so much opportunity. Yeah. Um, and it, it just shocks me to see some people who shut themselves down before they've even taken the opportunity to try. Yeah. So like... Oh, I agree with you like there 100% because like I, I've, I've looked at it now where I'm like, okay, wait, like I can either look down this one little small scope and like, you know, have my eye on this like huge diamond sure, or I can kind of like take my eyes off that scope and look around. I might find little small nuggets here Absolutely. and there, here and there. And as long like what you said, as long as you keep them coming in, you're building, you know what I mean? Right. And then like, and then also the thing I would, I would touch too, since we we're talking about cash flow is just kind of be mindful of where you're spending your money. 
Oh, right? that's huge. It's like, that's yeah. so huge. It's like, don't buy dumb shit. Yeah. Like, it, I, I've had to grow to that. I, I can openly say that. I have no like, embarrassment by saying that. Like, I've done made my mistakes and done it, but, like, I've learned from it, right? Yeah. But now that I've learned from it, I feel like I need to tell people, like, hey, just did you really need that watch? Yeah. Did, you, did you really need those pair of shoes? Like, you know, it could have gotten you this. Like, so... Well, the irony of it is, like, you and I are sitting here right now, and we're, like, doing our podcast, and we've got, like, laptops, right? Yeah. And we've got um iphones and you know all that stuff my dad still uses a flip phone yeah. right and so evidently you can get by in this world without having a little screen that you can yeah. play games on and like yeah. you know like not have to pull up the internet whenever you want like evidently that's possible yeah and so you know it's all about choosing priorities yeah exactly definitely choosing priorities so all right so i want to close out and finish up uh but i want to get back to the uh the the young um, real estate agent, upcoming agent. So like one of the things that I did t- uh, take away from your whole conversation was look at it like you're r- basically running the marathon, right. not a sprint. Right. Right. So like, so going in, like, let's say I'm going to kind of give you a, for instance, like, and you can kind of take off with it. So I'm, I just got my real estate license and I'm like, I've seen all these videos on YouTube about, uh, I mean, Grant Cardone, big real estate guy. Sure. Um, there's a bunch of other guys out there. Like you sure. said, HDTV, like the, you see all these huge deals going on. Sure. Um, how do I just kind of like start, like, where do, where do I go? Like, you know, without getting blindsided by like the get rich quick. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, what what I would advocate against is um, like these systems that are you know thousands and thousands of dollars to get started with. So um, there's some out there that are as much as you know twenty thousand dollars, thirty thousand dollars just to get started with some of these programs. And unfortunately, they sell a little bit of the dream um, and and may not be as much value return to the person who's purchasing it as as we would prefer. Obviously, we have our mentoring group, the Kingdom Real Estate. Uh, folks are welcome to check us out there. Uh, there is a slight, a small monthly subscription there, um, but we definitely think that the value you get back is is uh, fair for what we're asking there. We also do large scale events. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we're going to be in Dallas um, this month, and then we're going to be in Charlotte in May, and and those are fantastic opportunities. So, folks can learn more about that. But if you don't have an opportunity to, to do something like that specifically, go to Meetup. Look in, like go into Meetup, put your, your zip code in and just type in the words real estate. Mm. And you should become an expert at just meeting other people in real estate and beginning to acclimate yourself with the terms and the people and you know what title company are local real estate investors using and who's a good electrician or plumber who's doing work in that market or who are buyers who are really looking for opportunities today that if you were to find an opportunity that you couldn't necessarily purchase all on your own, again, you have limited resources, maybe they could purchase it from you and uh, you could receive what's called an assignment fee or a marketing fee uh, for helping them find that. And those fees, um, you know, they can range north of $5,000 in and of themselves. So there's a, a real way where this person, again, can go from using, you know, they're more limited from a financial resource, but they may have a little bit more time and that as they use that time effectively, they can still find a way to monetize it. Um, so one of the biggest things I advocate very strongly is you've got to work on the education piece and you've got to start networking with people who are doing what you want to do you know, in your market. 
and uh, stop spending time with losers. That's that's the last hundred percent. Yeah. Stop stop spending time 100%. with losers. Like if you think you're going to become this big successful real estate investors and still keep hanging out with your loser friends, um, you're wrong. Yeah, I mean it's all about your network. Like look, yeah. you, you want to see what you're going to be like in your next five years. Look look around at who the five five people closest to you are, and you're going to be uh, wherever they're going. You're going exactly. Yeah, regardless if you're trying to do your own thing on the side, and it's like it's not going to work. Because you always come back and you're going to gravitate to their level. To like, yeah. So they always talk about leveling up and, and doing that. And you definitely want to do that. So kind of want to touch too really quick while, before I close out. He mentioned, he said his uh, group has a small subscription. Just think about it this way. Like a lot of people would be like, we'll take it. And be like, oh God, he's selling something too. He just talked about them, uh, people out there selling a dream and everything. But he pitched something too. But, but it is a small, small fee. Like think about this. If you go out every weekend and you Uber... Like if you add up what you Uber, you probably would be able to come up with his fee easily. with easily, easily. Within, within within a month, depending right. on how much you go out. Really, right. like so, just put that into perspective and think about like your life. Like yeah, it's you want to have fun now, but you also want to be able to have fun long term. Life is a long thing. It you know it's like it, it takes a long time. Like I'm 31 now, and I think about it today. Like when I was 21, I didn't feel any different. Like. Like I didn't feel any different physically. I didn't feel any different. Any different as far as like emotionally, I've grown. Mentally, I've grown. But like as far as like me physically, like I don't feel any different, and I right. don't think I'll feel any different at forty-one. Right. So I've like slowed down to where I'm like, okay, I can do more if I just take my time doing it. Absolutely. Right. And apply myself like with a focus. Yeah. Mainly focus. So, well, and I mean, Jonathan, just to address like the subscription model too, it's like. There's got to be, like, people have to have something in the game. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, exactly. I don't need, like, again, it's a very small subscription fee. Most people drop drop more on an individual bar tab, like, at one bar oh, yeah, than, like, 100%. what our fee is. Yeah. So, like, guys, I have no heartburn with what, what value we, we provide. If it's for you, perfect. If not, hey, I'm good. Yeah. Like, again, it... We, we make our money as real estate investors and, and the, the subscription model is just simply a way for people to have skin in the game and really give attention and um, desire to move forward. Like yeah. we don't want a community where people are just like watching from the sidelines. Okay. And that's really the purpose of the subscription model. Exactly. All right. So yeah. So one last time, Ed, like where can people find you? Like, you know? Yeah. So we're um, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and our podcast is all Kings in Queen City. Um, you'll see my brother and I there and we're local in Charlotte. So if you're in the Charlotte market and you go to basically any, uh, networking event, we're there, uh, either myself or my brother. Uh, I think I went to like three different networking events this past week. So people see us everywhere. We definitely, uh, enjoy meeting with people and, uh, you know, look forward to continuing to add value and kind of all that stuff. Cool. All right. Okay. Well, thanks again, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed that one and catch us on the next episode.